Well, this morning, I'm going to look at something that's very familiar um, to all of us, but it's something that the Lord has been refreshing in my own in my own heart, my own life, and that is the importance of the Bible. The importance of the Bible. I'm calling it the value of the Bible. And at the beginning of this year, the Lord stirred that in my heart afresh. I've I've gone through you know other points in my life where I've really dug into the Word of God, and and I'm not saying. You know, read it all the time. I read it all the time, but there's been times where I've I've really dug in before. And the Lord's put that on my heart afresh for this year, for something that He wants me to do, to dig in deeper into His Word. You know, I've done a lot of studying in my life, a lot of reading, a lot of resources, and there's a lot of good stuff out there. But I don't believe there's anything as valuable that God has given us as his very words to us. So that's not to negate all the other good resources that are out there, but his word is very important. And he's put it on my heart to to journal, something that he speaks to me from his word every day. My mom tried to get me to do that when I was a teenager. She gave me a journal in school and she said, here, write down your thoughts during the day. Nothing specific from the word of God, but just a journal. Then it lasted like two days. So mom, sorry, <laughs> you know. but now it's fresh to me. And I've done that since the beginning of the year and got a notebook out and just started writing down a daily thought that God's giving to me from his word, something for my life. I remember Pastor Bailey years ago, he told a story about when he was a young man and he was, he was attending a meeting with some of his friends and they heard somebody speak. I, I think he referred to him as an older gentleman. They heard this man minister. And they were so amazed, they went up to him afterward and said, what are your resources? What have you used to study? Where do you get your material? And he said, the Bible. I, I got it from the word of God. And there's tremendous truth. There's tremendous life in the word of God. And what God has laid on my heart for myself is to study the gospels and the teachings of Jesus Christ specifically for my own devotion time. My one main goal for the sermon this morning is to help each of us cherish the word of God. Again, not a new and a fresh word, but something hopefully to impart uh, uh, something life-giving to us this morning. And as I get into that, into the topic for today, I want to look at uh, a connection that's made in the Bible that ties the word of God to the name of God. And we know about the name of of God. It is powerful. It is awesome, isn't it? It was even the the Jews in the Old Testament from from a long, long time ago, they knew the power of the name of God and they had put great value on the name of God. So much so that they wouldn't spell out the word Yahweh. They would spell it Y-H-W-H because to them it was too sacred to actually spell out that specific name of God. A name carries and represents somebody's character and somebody's authority as well. Now, I was trying to think of some examples of this. And if I said to you, Pastor Daniel Humphreys, that name carries a certain level of authority, right? You say, oh, that's my pastor. But it also carries a certain character. When you hear that name, you will associate some sort of character quality that your pastor has. I could say Douglas Brogan, and he's my father. That name to you may mean very little, but to me, that name represents the authority of my dad, 
And it also represents a character, specifically of faithfulness. Every time I hear that name, I remember my dad, who's still alive, you know. But I, I think of his faithfulness. He's a very, very faithful person. Now, it's true of that with God himself as well. His name carries authority. His name also shows his character. So, for instance, there's many names of God in the Bible. I picked out four for this morning. And you'll see where I'm going with this in relation to the word of God. But his name Elohim means strong one. Elohim is strong one. And that shows God's strength, his might. And it's also a plural name, which it's not singular. And it shows that God is more than one. We know him as the Trinity, the three in one. Another name is El Elyon, which means the most high God the most powerful and mighty that there is. So those are his, his, um, his authority, his position. But then there's other names like Jehovah Jireh that means the Lord will provide. That's his character. And we know him as one who takes care of us, who meets our needs, who loves to look after his children. Jehovah Shalom, as we heard this morning in prophecy, peace. He's a God of peace, and he loves to give peace to the hearts of his children. Even sometimes when we're surrounded by a storm, perhaps, something going on in our life that's very hard to deal with, he can come in as our Heavenly Father and reveal himself as peace to settle us down no matter what is going on around us. He can calm the storm sometimes, too, when he chooses to. He can do both. He's a God of peace. So, a name shows character. It shows authority. Such great authority that in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It says that is a name above every name. Imagine the might and the authority of that name that would cause every knee to bow. And there are many knees right now that would not want to bow. But the name of God cause everyone to bow down. Tremendous authority. I looked up that phrase, the name of Jesus, in the Bible. And it's found 11 times in the, in the New Testament, uh, specifically, and people repented and were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. People were healed in the name of Jesus Christ. People prayed in the name of Jesus Christ. People preached in the name of Jesus Christ, and they were told not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ, and demons were cast out in the name of Jesus Christ. So we recognize there is great power and great authority in his name. And this is where I'm going comparing his name to his word. Because it says in Psalms chapter 138, verses 1 and 2, that believe it or not, it says God magnifies his word above his very name. That is how powerful the word of God is. It does not bring down the, the power and value of his name, but it shows us the tremendous um, authority of Scripture, of the Bible. So let's read it. Psalms 138, verses 1 and 2, a psalm of David. 
This is out of the King James. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Now you can read, there's other translations of that that say thou hast you know, magnified thy word and thy name. I've done some digging on that and this seems to be the one that is the best translation of what was meant by David in this. You've magnified your word above your very name. And imagine that being said to the Israelites at that time, who would not even write out the name of God because of how much they revered his name. And for that God to give that revelation to David, you know, your word is above even your very name. And although he has power, and authority to do anything, God does, right? He's the mighty God. He can do whatever he chooses to. He follows what he has decreed and given us in his word. We know he will not go against his own word. And I think that's one of the ways he magnifies his word above his name. Even though he has all authority, he follows his word. So the word of God is powerful and priceless. And there are many things we could say about the Bible, the Word of God. But I want to look at three specific ones today just to narrow it down for uh, something for us to, to get from and leave uh, here today, to take from here. And the first one is that God's Word brings freedom from confusion. God's Word brings freedom from confusion. And my key verse for this that God has given us is John 8, verses 31 through 32. These are the words of Jesus. John 8, 31 and 32. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But his key, the part, the beginning part of that word, that verse was, if you abide in my word, abide in my word. We're surrounded by confusion. Would you agree with that? It's hard to know who to believe and what to believe in what's going on in our world. And sure, we form our own opinions, and of course, we're right. <laughs> but there's a lot of different, uh, different opinions, different values. Even in the Christian community, there's a lot of difference. And, and I would say a lot of confusion. And it's important, before we begin to meditate on the confusion, on who's right and who's wrong, and what's going on in the world around us, and the news, and the crises, and the crises, sorry, and the difficulties, and maybe the problems in our own lives or our own families, and those sorts of things. It's important to meditate on the Word of God because it brings clarity in confusion. It really does. Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you will know the truth and it will set you free. It's not just knowing it but it sets you free. How does it set us free? Well, I'll give you an example from my own life. And I'm sure there are, are many examples that you could come up with from scripture and from your own life. But here's one that God often gives to me when I'm going through something. And it's Colossians 3 verses 1 through 2. Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Set your mind on things that are above, not 
Don't let them get tied down with things on earth. And God has given me that scripture when I'm getting tied down with things on earth. He says, you know, maybe it's a, a relational thing in family or maybe with, with another believer there's some sort of issue going on or there's been many different times. And God says, you know, if you think about eternity, think about the fact even that you will be with, maybe it's this relationship issue, you'll be with them for eternity. That kind of puts a, a new light on whatever I am going through at that moment. I think of the song, The Things of Earth Will Grow Strangely Dim. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And these things grow dim when we do that. It doesn't mean the problems go away, but they get dim because we realize that that is the purpose of our life. We're living here for later for eternity, for heaven. And it helps highlight what really matters in life. So again, there could be many other ways the truth sets you free, but this is one that has set me free many times in the midst of, of conflict or difficulty. So that first point, the Bible is valuable. The word of God is valuable to set me free from confusion. God wants us to dig into his word. The second one is God's word brings life. God's word brings life. And I'm going to start with a testimony from your pastor from a long time ago. I, don't, I think it was at camp, perhaps, um, which would date uh, both of us back quite a ways. But we weren't campers. We were uh, staff at camp. But I remember him sharing, and he, he was sharing about the Word of God, and, and he gave a specific testimony. He said, you know, there was a, a time when I was so busy, it was, was two or three days had gone by, and I didn't have a chance to get into the Bible. And when I, I was finally able to sit down after those couple days and I opened the Scripture, he said it was so refreshing. Maybe you remember that, Daniel. Maybe you don't. That was your testimony that you gave. And he said, that was so life-giving to finally be able to sit down and open the words of God and read them. The Bible gives us the life that we need. The Apostle Paul said this in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. He said, all scripture is breathed out by God. Depends what translation you have. It might say inspired. But if you look that up in the Strong's in the original, it literally means to be breathed upon. So all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, something that God breathes on is alive. You go all the way back to the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 when he created Adam and Eve. It says in Genesis 2, 7, when God made man, he breathed the breath of life into him and he became a living soul. And you and I are here and alive because of God, because he breathed his life into humanity. Well, in that exact same way, it says all Scripture is breathed on by God means that this is a, a living thing, not in that it has lungs and takes breaths, but it, that it gives us life from God himself in our walk with him. The scriptures are full of the life of God. They're inspired by him. They are breathed on by him. It says in Hebrews 4 verse 12, 
The word of God is living, it is active, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. How can a book do that? Because it is living and breathed on by God himself. And that's why they started in that verse right with that. The word of God is living and active. In the King James, it says quick. The word of God is quick. And that, if you look it up, literally means living, alive. Have you ever had, when you're reading through your Bible, you know, you've read it, who knows how many times over your life you read through the scripture, and all of a sudden, there's a verse that just pops out at you. I never realized that before, or I never understood that. I never saw this before. And that is God um, speaking to us through his living word, right? Amen? That is why you don't read the Bible one time and say, oh yeah, I've read that book. It's a big book and there's no way that I would remember all of it after one time through. But we read other books and we say, oh, I've read that book before. And we often never pick them up again. But that's why this book, for the rest of our entire lives, we read it and we read it and we read it because God breathed his life into into it to speak to us. And sometimes it's based on the circumstances we're going through. He'll speak to us a different truth from a same verse in a different way. And it will speak to something that we're going through. And it breathes life into our walk with him. Jesus said in Matthew 4.4, when the devil was testing him, in Matthew 4.4, Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I've got good news for you. Man lives by eating bread. It does not negate food. (laughs) We need that. Or maybe if you have, you know, issues with bread, it's some other thing. But the point is, you you can eat food that is God-given to mankind. But it's Jesus was saying, man does not live only by eating food. We need to eat something else too. And that is the very word that comes from God himself. That gives us life in our walk with the Lord, in our relationship with him. The word here, if you've done scripture, studying or, or sat in a, a church seat long enough, you've heard the words rhema and logos. And the word here is rhema. That means like the breathed on, the spoken word of God right from him to you. And that often happens. It can happen in, in many ways, but often for me, it's, it's a, a verse in the Bible, a written verse, and then God breathes on that to me. And highlights it for me. And it becomes like his rhema, his spoken word directly to me. And that gives life. We need the quickened word of God in order to live spiritually as much as we need food to live in the natural. Without it, we die. If we go for long enough without digging into this, we, we spiritually die. It's like trying to live without food doesn't work. You can last a while. Some people can last for up to 40 days without food. I've never tried that. 
I don't think everybody could make it that long without natural food, but you can survive for quite a while, but eventually you will perish. You can set this book aside and let it build up dust for a while and you will seem okay, but if you do it for long enough, you'll perish. It's important to feed on the word of God. It is life. In Psalms 119 verse 18, it says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Law being another word for the word, the Bible. Open my eyes to behold wonderful things from your words, Lord, from your Bible that you've given to me. We gain spiritual life anytime we behold something wondrous from the word of God. And again, that's what God told me to do at the beginning of the year. Write down something from, my, from your reading when you're going through my word. Write it down. And it has been life-giving, very much so, in my walk with the Lord. It's been wonderful. One of those things that God spoke to me when I was reading through, um, I started in the Gospels and I'm reading through. I found, uh, it's called a, a harmony of the Gospels. So it's reading through each of the four at the same time and the different passages that happened at the same time just to understand the full uh, surroundings, I guess, that happens. It's, it's been really good for me. But one of those things was when, when Mary was giving what we call her Magnificat. And she was saying what the words of the old song say, my soul doth magnify the Lord. The old song came from, from Mary's words. The song was not around before Mary. She had this first. But she said, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit doth rejoice in God my Savior. For he that is mighty hath done great things. That's the words of the song that you may have heard before. But Mary's words were actually, he that is mighty hath done to me great things. I've never noticed that before. And that was, was my, my God moment that I wrote down for that, that it was Mary's testimony. It's not just, oh, the mighty, God, the mighty God has done mighty things. It was the mighty God has done mighty, amazing things in my life. And as I meditated on that, I started to think of the many things that God has done for me in my own life. And it was life-giving to me. Scripture is alive. So it is, by, it is inspired. It is God-breathed. It is life-giving. And as you sit down to read it, ask the Lord, Lord, open my eyes to behold wondrous things from your word. Make it life-giving to me. The third one. Again, you could have all sorts of things, but this is number three that we have for today. And as God's word gives direction to us, his word gives us direction. In Psalms 119 verses, verse 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Very familiar quoted scripture. There's a song, at least one, at least two actually that I know I've written about it. But I actually looked up to see what this means because it sounds kind of like the same thing twice, kind of, but it's not. It says a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So let's look at both of those. A lamp to the feet literally means a light that shines where you step, where you walk. We have ducks and chickens at our house. We have a little farmhouse, kind of. 
I don't know what we have, 20, 25 birds, something like that. And my job every night, this is my wife's project, but my job every night is to go close up their house. And, you know, it's in the summertime, it's all nice and fun. In the wintertime, it's cold, it's snowy, it's icy, it's dark. And uh, so when I go out to do the birds, especially in the wintertime, I not only put on my coat and my boots, I grab my phone and I pull it out and I do this and I shine it. Because, you know, if I didn't do that, I would slip and fall because it's snowy and icy. And, and if you bend to our house, it's down over the side. We live on a hill and it's down a, down a slope. And I don't feel like landing on my back. So I grab the light to shine on my feet so I see where I walk. Now, that's what God's word does to us in our daily walk with him. It shines a light for what we need at that moment so we don't slip. It can be an encouragement to us when we're feeling down. It can remind us that he's our peace if we feel like we're in a storm. It can remind us that he's a merciful God and, and, and he's calling us to be the same as well. It can be so many things that God speaks to us in our step at that moment so we don't slip, so we can see where we're walking. And in that way, he gives us direction. Your word is a lamp to my feet. Now it says your word is a light to my path. And I look that up and it literally means like lightning. If you look that up in the Strongs, it says your word is like lightning to my path. Now there's something interesting about lightning is it's very bright and it's like this and it's gone. You've probably been... There's some magnificent thunderstorms down here in Florida, right? You've got much better ones than we have. My wife remembers years ago being uh, at somebody's condo high up on, the, on Tampa, I think on Tampa Bay, right? The Utilis uh, condo there and just watching the storm coming off the water and seeing all the lightning strike. Anyways, lightning is, is fascinating, but it's instant, and I remember uh, a storm on the fish farm we lived up in, in Canada, a job that I had. We lived in a house on the property and we had a storm come through where every few seconds the, it lit up everything so bright you could see. Wherever your eyes were focused, you could see that clearly. You couldn't see everything else because it's so fast, you can't see the full view of everything around, but wherever you're focused, you have an instant view. That storm was so bad that it blew up the power transformer a few hundred feet down the road from us, which lit up the sky even more than the lightning did. <laughs> and then we didn't have power for a while. But God's word is like that. It says, your word is a, a light to my path. It's like lightning to my path. You know, it doesn't make everything clear all at one time. Because honestly, I don't think we could handle that. But whatever specific thing we're focused on down our path, God's word can be like the lightning that flashes in the instant we need it. And we can see clearly in that moment something down our path. There was a verse that was quickened to me when I went to Ghana. I lived in Ghana for a little over a year before I got married. And when I was going there, I got Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 16. And it says, I will be to you a little sanctuary in the place you are going. I think that's a pretty common verse for God to give to those who go to, to foreign lonely places. But he gave that one to me in Ezekiel eleven sixteen, 16. And that was like that lightning flash. 
it was not a shine on my step for that moment. I had a 14 month long journey ahead of me. But he told me, when you're going into this, I want you to know I will be with you. And he was. And it was, it was one of the harder times of my life. Not because of what was going on in Ghana, but because I just left my future wife behind. I didn't know for how long. And, you know, I did a 14 month long distance relationship before coming back and getting married. It was a tough time. Um, but God let me know, I will be with you. And he can give us those things from his word as lightning to our path to let us know. Something down the way that we need to know that will strengthen us in our, in our journey, our walk with him. So the Bible gives us direction. So as we bring this to a close for today, those three things, his word brings us freedom from confusion. It reveals the truth to us. It is alive and it gives us life in our walk with him. And it gives us direction in our walk with him as well. I want to close with a testimony. I heard this a month or two back. It's a testimony that has been out, I think, since the, the 80s or 90s, if I have my timing right. It's somebody else's testimony, uh, a lady named Margaret Nicole. Margaret Nicole grew up in Bulgaria some time ago. And she was there when the communists came and they took over her country. And the communists, when they came in, they confiscated everybody's Bible. They came and they took them all. Imagine what that would be like if somebody came to your house and, and barged in and took every word of God that you had available to you and took it. Well, there was a lady in Margaret's church. She heard the communists come and they were talking to her husband at the door and she knew they were coming for her Bible. And she said, they're not taking my Bible. She sat on her Bible for hours. She hid it underneath herself and they couldn't find it. And she, she kept it. And it was, she said it was literally hours. So this lady who went to Margaret's church came to, came to church that Sunday because they were still allowed to get together. And she took the word of God and she ripped out pages and gave a page to everybody. And Margaret Nicole, she said for the next 25 years, she had one page of the word of God. She had Genesis 16 and 17 of Abraham and, and Sarah and their promise of God giving them a promise of a son. And she cherished that word and she prayed, Lord, give me your word. Send me your word, Lord. I want your word for 25 years. Finally, she was moved as a refugee to America and she was taken by some friends. She went to a church an older couple met her there and they asked her what she wanted for Christmas. And she said, oh, I want a Bible. And they're like, oh, you can get a Bible anywhere, but we'll take you and get you a Bible. And she said her testimony was she went to the, a Christian bookstore or wherever they were selling Bibles and just saw the rows and the rows of Bibles. And she just stood there just weeping and crying because she'd been asking the Lord for 25 years, give me your word, Lord, send me your word. And finally, she had it in her hands. And her testimony, at the end of her testimony, it's, uh, it's a page and a half, two pages of her testimony. I think you can look up audio or probably audio of it if you want online to listen to all of it. But her testimony at the end was, I would like to challenge you. 
Anytime that you take your Bible for granted, I pray the Holy Spirit will remind you of this page. And she, she held up her one page. She had 25 years old, still had that page in her hand. She said, I want you to remember that page because it represents millions of your brothers and sisters around the world who are still on their knees saying, Lord, send me your word. How blessed we are with this. How many copies of these we have in our house? More than just one. And on our phone and on our computer, we have the very life-giving word of God in our hands whenever we want it. Part of her testimony was that the saddest place in every single church was the lost and found table where Bibles sit and collect dust because people don't come for them. I trust that's not the case here. God wants us to cherish his word and that each time we grab this and we open his words, we would say, Lord, open my eyes to behold wondrous things out of the word of life that you have given to me. Make it alive, Lord. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we are so grateful that you have given us your written word. You have blessed us, Lord, and we often haven't even realized it, Lord, that you've given this tremendous gift to us. Lord, help us to cherish your word. Help us to spend time with you in your word, learning of you and giving life to us. Thank you so much, Lord. And we just bless your name. And we all say it together, amen. Amen.